Welcome to another episode of the Hope Motivates Action podcast. I am your host, Lindsay Recknell, and I have another Lindsay here today with me. Hello, Lindsay White. Hello, Lindsay Recknell. (laughs) It is so (laughs) awesome to have you here today. Um, Lindsay and I have known each other for a little while. Uh, We met through a personal uh, mutual friend, a wonderful, wonderful human that we both have in our lives. But we have uh, connected, I guess, over our love for other women and their businesses and entrepreneurship and um, thriving and surviving in the craziness that we call lives through, you know, trying to balance work and aspirations with our commitment to our family and all sorts of wonderful things like that. Exactly. It's it's so good to have you here. I think we're going to have a really great conversation about how we can tie hope and motivation and action in with that work-life integration and women-owned business and all of that delightful stuff. Yeah. All so, of the stuff I like best. <laughs> that's right. Um, so let me read a little bit about you and introduce you formally to everyone, and then I'll pass it over to you, and you can tell us your story. Sure. So Lindsay White is the owner of High Voltage Leadership. She believes that every business, no matter how small, deserves three things. Great leadership, an impactful people strategy, and a culture that inspires. It's Lindsay's incredible passion high-voltage personality, and decades of talent management and coaching experience that inspires her clients as they drive their business success through their people. As an entrepreneur, a working mom, and a first-time grandmother, Lindsay knows that the blend between work and life can be difficult to create. That's why she loves to coach and guide female business owners as they navigate their personal leadership journey. Her focus on people strategy, team engagement, and leadership development all help her clients drive their business goals while creating an inspiring culture. Lindsay's signature VIP leadership coaching program opens for enrollment only a few times a year. So check out her website to find out more and schedule an inspiration session today. And of course, we'll have the links to all of those things in the show notes of this episode. Awesome. Lindsay, I love so much about your official bio, but um, a couple of things that really come out for me is where you talk about inspiring culture, because I feel like uh, that is a topic of conversation that has come up so much with so many people uh, lately. And I wonder if you can tell us um, sort of how you got where you are and what kind of cultures you uh, are inspiring these days. Okay, great. Yes. Um, So I, uh, I actually, I started my own practice about three years ago. I left my corporate corporate HR job, which I had been in for about 10 years. I actually worked for ATB Financial, which is, uh, I think in, in the last year or so, was actually the top employer in Canada. And so part of what I did at ATB was being um, what I call a culture champion. So being in human resources or what we call people and culture my role was to help senior leaders and executives really inspire people to do their very best work every day 
And the best way to do that is to create a culture where they feel they can, where they feel empowered, they feel heard, they feel seen, um, and they feel like they get to bring them their best selves uh, uh, to their work every day. And they and they get to do work that inspires them and motivates them and is fulfilling, right? Um, so they can use their skills um, in a way that's really purposeful. Uh, so so yeah. So when I left my role at ATB. I actually, uh, I had decided that I really wanted to further my coaching skills. So for about a year, I spent in training to learn how to be a professional coach. And I have a couple designations that I'm pretty proud of. And, um, and what I decided to do with that is like to combine the two pieces that I really love, which is coaching and, and particularly coaching leaders. I mean, I love asking a really smart person a really big question that they can't answer easily. That makes me happy, right? Like when you ask someone who's really smart something and they're like, huh, I have no idea how to answer that. That's gold right there in that moment. Um, and then I love working with people. I, I really do. I, I quite sincerely and genuinely love helping people to bring them back their best selves to their work every day. So, so that's what I decided to do with high voltage leadership. And particularly, I found that small businesses didn't feel like they could afford the time or the money or even knew how to do that, right? How, how to create a great culture and how to create a strategy that really supports and grows that, but drives their business. Like ultimately that's, you know, that's the whole point. So I thought, geez, I can... I can combine a couple of my big skill sets and my big passions to help particularly these female-led businesses do a really awesome job of that. Um, and so here we are. <laughs> yeah. Well, and one of the things that I know about you is that you're a high hope person. You have expectation for a positive future for yourself, for your family, for your clients, for your um, female-led businesses. And I wonder if you could share with us, you and I've talked about this before. What yeah. is your definition of hope? Yeah, I, I think my personal philosophy around hope is the idea that there is always possibility. There's always an option. There is always another perspective or another way to see things. Um, and that we just, we just need to look, right? Um, it's not, for me, it's not necessarily about, you know, staying positive, um, but it really, like in my, in my personal professional life, it really is about seeing that there is some kind of silver lining in, in every really difficult situation. And that sometimes finding that is just harder than, than, than others. Um, but, but that there is, there's always a possibility. There's always a creative way. Um, and that you just need to be able uh, to find it. So how do you find it? So yeah. if your client comes to you and says, I do not have hope for my future. I cannot see a way out. I do not know what to do next. What do you tell them? Yeah. And, and the truth is like, I've had, I've heard a lot of that in the last 10 months, I bet. right? Because, um, you know, this, the global pandemic and the economic fallout has been incredibly hard on small business and even harder on female owned small businesses. 
And, and so the first thing that I always do is go right back to what do you value? What's really important to you? And, and combining that with what's your purpose. And, and I mean that in a very personal way, because we don't, we're not different in our working lives and our personal lives. So we are who we are, especially as a small business owner. We, for, you know, for most of us, we are the business, right? <laughs> so what do you value? What is really important to you? And how do you live that every day? Because when we connect to that, we connect to the most important pieces of ourselves. And in that, we can find hope. What is it that you are put here to do? What's your purpose? Why do you get up in the morning, right? And then how do you connect that to your business? And in grounding to that and connecting to that and really experiencing how you're going to bring that to life, you can reconnect to your hope. You can reconnect. You can find some resilience because those pieces of us, no matter how hard it gets, they still exist. They're still with us, right? And when we get into our businesses and we get into these situations where, I mean, the truth is, this is people's life's work. This is, you know, this is like their, their whole life savings is invested in this thing, but it's, it doesn't change who we are and it shouldn't change how we show up. Right. So that's where I go with my clients is we, we really quite sincerely go right back to the beginning. And then we start to understand and can really embrace what do we need to do next? Where are the possibilities? How do we get, for so many of them, it's how do we get unstuck, right? Like this fear is paralyzing for so many people. And when we can get out of fear and back into purpose, then we can find hope again. Mm. Out of fear, back into purpose. Yes. Oh, I like (laughs) that. So you are kind of selling hope on my behalf because... Um, long-time listeners of this podcast will have heard this before, but if you're new, let me tell you a little bit about hope theory. Okay. So hope theory is a theory, um, discovered, discussed by a scientist called Dr. Rick Snyder back in the nineties in the university of Kansas. And Dr. Snyder said that hope theory is an equation goals, obvious plus agency thinking, which is your passion and your purpose plus pathways thinking, which is the ability to get out of your own way and find the possibility (laughs) and all of the pathways, all the alternatives and solutions to achieve the goal. That is just a succinct equation of what you just eloquently described in your process. Like how freaking cool, right? I I didn't even know about that. That is so awesome. Right? And so this is why I feel like hope is such a driver of success in life because it takes what we anecdotally know, what we discuss all the time with people and boils it down to how the science works. It's that evidence to support it, which is so cool. So I love what, anyway, the point is that I love when the, it just all, you tied it up in a nice bow for me. So thank you. Oh, well, uh, it's my pleasure. I'm glad I could do that. Um, I do. I mean, I am, I am a positive, hopeful person. I mean, that's why it's called high voltage. Like that, that, that is authentically who I am. If you can't tell by now, I am a high passion, high energy, uh, you know, driven, but not in the sense that I'm going to eat you for breakfast person, but highly motivated. Um, and I, I can, I can almost always, uh, find the positive in a situation. Sometimes it might take me a while, but there's always something to learn. 
mm-hmm. and to grow from. And if you can find that, then you can always find hope. You know, the other thing that's really cool is that hope is contagious. And so I feel like the more time people spend with you, they will, your positivity, your energy, your hopefulness will rub off on them. And there, you can't underestimate that either. Uh, yeah. You know, when I always suggest that if you are not feeling so hopeful, go call your most hopeful friend and borrow some of theirs. <laughs> yeah. Because God totally. knows that there is there comes a day, I mean, our hope levels will fluctuate. There comes a day mm-hmm. when you're not feeling awesome and you may need to borrow from somebody else. So if you put some in the karma bank, <laughs> yeah, you know, and share some of that hope with other people, um, all of us will be, a, the whole world will be a better place. Yeah, I, I love that. I think that's really, really true. And I, I also, I recognize, like, I'm not for everybody. Right. I'm like my, my brand of high voltage energy is not for everyone. Having said that. Yeah. I, I, I like to think that that's what I bring to, um, to these female leaders that are struggling to find the blend between work and life. They're struggling to understand, you know, what, what is their leadership brand? What's authentic for them and how do they use their strengths to be a great leader? Not a perfect one, but a great leader. Right. And what does that mean for them? And then how do they create a space where their team can really do the same? They can show up as themselves. They can show up with all their best skills and experience. They can collaborate and work together. That's what culture is really all about. It is at most simplistic level. And then you just build the strategy around that. You build the pieces that support that and grow that. And it, it, it really can be as simple as that. But I recognize that, you know, I'm... <laughs> I can be, I can take up a lot of space in a room. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily for everybody, but uh, I like to believe that I, I bring a lot of that energy to the people that I am the right one for. You sure as hell do. You can be in any, <laughs> any of my rooms. I welcome you in all of my rooms. Just saying. Awesome. I'm just saying. <laughs> I get to know you on a professional level and a personal level and you light up the room. So I'm in. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's talk about adding more hope into culture. Uh, I believe hope has a PR problem. It is a hard... <laughs> we should get somebody on that. Pick me, pick me. I'm working on it. I've tried, trying really hard. Um, because anecdotally, we know as humans, we know what it feels like to have hope. We know what, uh, we know that word, we hear it everywhere but it can be quite fluffy. It can be cosmic woo-woo-like, and they are, it is a hard word to put into a conversation in a traditionally, traditional culture. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts and ideas around adding that word to the vocabulary in professional organizations? Yeah, I think what what occurs to me right off the top of my head is one of the words that's become um, something of a bit a bit bit of a buzzword in the leadership space um, in the last you know couple years is empathy, and and I do believe that hope and empathy are intrinsically connected, and um, it's when we show up as an empathetic leader when we truly help our teams feel heard and seen. Um, and when we reach into our own experience to understand the experience of others, I believe that that gives them hope. And, and it really, truly only takes one person 
um, to connect in, in that empathetic way. And so, yes, I agree with you that, you know, is it hard, is it a hard sell <laughs> to talk to the chief financial officer in your business about hope? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Cause that just does not resonate with them. So in the sense that, is there a PR job to be done in terms of how we connect that to the very practical ways that we can show up both as leaders and as individuals in our business? Cause we lead ourselves, we lead from the front, we lead from behind too, um, and how we can include that. So I think it's just broadening the description of what is hope and bringing in some of the language that maybe is a bit more common. Even things like collaboration, which is totally a corporate buzzword. There's hope in that word. Again, because when we collaborate really effectively with other people, we feel heard and seen and understood and we feel like something, part of something bigger. We feel like we get to create with others. And that is hopeful, right? That is Does that hopeful. make sense? Did I answer oh, yeah. your question? Totally. Okay. Totally. <laughs> um, and, and you bring up a great part about, about language, about the words that we use and the words that we yeah. choose to use. Um, yeah. I mentioned earlier that I'm starting a new podcast and it's all about workplace mental health. And one of the big keys is to make, uh, to make, tough conversations, more comfortable for people. It has yeah. to just be, um, it just has to be part of the conversation. You know, it, it has to be repeated. It has to be maintained. We have to practice and we have to use ease into it a bit, right? Ease into <laughs> yeah. the language. And so by using words like collaboration and empathy, they've, those words have already gone through their transition from uncomfortable yeah. to comfortable. And I, so I feel like by talking about hope, talking about it as a practical thing, talking about it as a rational thing, um, using, using that word with other words around it, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, we start to prepare our leaders. We start to prepare ourselves and our people for, um, for that word not to be uncomfortable and, and it yeah. to have more power in its um, ability to do great things for us. I, yeah. I think, yeah, I think language matters a lot. I think it does. I mean, it, it, it's how we connect to each other. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but uh, the, the word, what I heard was approachable. We want to make hope approachable mm -hmm. for everyone. And so you're right. The way we start to do that is by using some common language and using that language in a common way and, and really like defining it and articulating it and reinforcing it and, and yeah, using it all the time. Mm -hmm. Like I, I do think that that's actually really important because it is our common language, particularly, particularly in our businesses, whether they're big business or small business, it's the way we use the language and the definition that we give it and the energy that we put behind it that helps others connect to it. And again, when it connects to our values, when we can see ourselves in that word, in that language, when we can see ourselves in the vision and the purpose, what the what's in it for me, then we can understand and bring our whole self to it. So if we understand what hope means and how we define it and how those definitions connect together, then we can feel more comfortable using it and we can talk about our wellness in, in a more effective way. Yeah. When it becomes personal to us. Totally. Yeah. Has to be. Yeah. Has to be. So on that personal note, um, 
we bring our whole, I mean, the idea is that we'd like to bring our whole selves to work. Yeah. Right? You mentioned earlier that uh, we shouldn't have to feel like we're different at work than we are at home. And I think that many of us are different at work than we are at home. Maybe not sure. now when we've all been home for 10 months doing our work <laughs> at home. Yeah. Uh, I've seen a bunch of memes that, uh, you know, allude to the fact that my spouse perhaps didn't know what kind of a work guy I was. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, but now gets to see the whole me. Um, yeah. But so how, how do you encourage uh, people, the humans, to not have to have two personas, to feel yeah. confident enough to, uh, in who they are, to just be themselves all the time or most. Yeah. Of the time. So fundamentally, I believe that that starts with the leader. So for my clients, being that they're small business owners, most of the time, I mean, we're talking like a maximum of 50 employees, right? For the most part. So it really is about helping that leader understand what, again, what did they value and not just words on a page, but like, how do they show up with that every day? How do they display that? How do they live it? How do they bring it to life? And then how does that translate into their business? Again, just because my, and right now, again, work life, home life, all in the same place. So it really is about understand and understanding how those things can you know, sometimes be in conflict and then what's the behavior that comes out of that? Mm-hmm. I mean, realistically, right. But that, that to me is key understanding what are your personal values. And as, as a leader, we got to do that work first. We got to know what that is. We got to understand how we're going to show up authentically because that is key for me, authenticity. And I believe that it, it needs to be key for everybody to be perfectly honest. So as a leader, once I know what that is, Once I know what my own values are, how I live them every day, and how I'm going to bring them to my business, and that the business is going to reflect those, then I can help the rest of my team do the same work. I can help the team understand what their values are and how those values interact and interplay with the values and the purpose of the business so that they feel like they can see themselves reflected in what the business does. And if they don't see that, then we need to talk about why and is this the right place for them to be, right? It also helps me identify who do I want in my business because they're going to be able to just see that and feel that. It's kinesthetic, it really is. Um, So I, I believe that that is really the most important thing. If you don't know who you are, how do you know if you're showing up authentically? How do you know if you're the, you know, if you if you are able And if you're not, and I wasn't, that's why I had to leave the corporate world. I didn't get to show up as me. I felt like I was in a lead-lined box, that my high-voltageness was too much. And I didn't want to be that anymore, right? It wasn't the right place for me. I could not show up as myself. And now I find myself largely unemployable because I'm not interested in going back in that (laughs) lead-lined box, right? If you want to truly have a great culture, People have to be able to show up as themselves and they have to be respected and they have to be honored and they have to be listened to and heard. And they also have to feel like they can connect. Right. And in that they find hope. Hmm. Yes, they do. Connection. Uh, I have a, 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 
a connection, uh, a person that I know who is a hope specialist as well. And she says that connection is created socially. And I just, I think that that is so true that, I mean, we are relationship building humans, right? We does, yeah. we need that literally for life. We need that connection yes. with other people. Yeah. Um, That's what we're designed for, right? Yeah. 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 Connection yeah. is created socially. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so, oh, I lost my train of thought. There was something that you talked about. Oh yes. So identity that has come up quite a bit. One of the things mm. that I do not do well is, um, is I, I feel like I know who I am. And when people say to me, what is your identity or what are your values? Maybe let's talk about values because yeah. your values make up your identity. Um, how do I find my values? How do I know what they are? Do I just make a list? Do I Google? Do I... <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's what people commonly think of, right? Yeah. We, we, you know, most of us in our corporate lives have done some kind of values work where we are in a workshop and we are presented with a page that is filled with a, a variety of alphabetized words and we are to circle them and understand. This is the vision in my head. Totally. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, that, that is just, I'm not even sure that is scratching the surface in order to truly understand what you value and, and the, like, really what is the foundational pieces of your identity of who you are and how you interact with the world. You actually need to think about those spaces where you have felt the most successful, the most fulfilled, the most joyful. And what made that so, right? Because that's when we're really living our values. And then on the other side, you you need to understand what makes you really uncomfortable or unhappy and really like dig into why, why did you feel that way? What was underneath that? And and it really is about layering down. And sometimes it's about understanding where the conflict is because our values don't always jive. They don't always get along. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we got to do things or be things in order to honor one value that compromise the other. So I'll give you an example. Yes, please. My husband has an incredible value of service. And that is all about, he served his country. He was in the Canadian Navy. And now he serves at work, right? He serves his team. He's a leader. And he serves us as a family, right? But sometimes his value of service gets him into trouble. Because does he serve the organization he works for and the team he leads first or the family? And so this value of service, to give you a visual, kind of blows up. It just gets enormous. And it's like somebody fired up one of those bouncy houses in a really small room. And it's him with his face pressed against the glass because there's no more room for him because he's serving everybody. Right? Mm -hmm. So our values can get us into conflict. They can get us into trouble. But when we understand that, we can start to tease it apart. Then we can say, okay, hang on a second. Why is one more important than the other? Is there something that I need to do to make sure that value is honored and that I'm doing that? Well, I can do this, right? And when we can step back and examine it a little bit, like third-party perspective here, then we can move forward and make sure that they're not conflicting, that they're trying to work together. So that's what I mean. I mean, this is so much deeper and this is such an intimate conversation, really understand. And sometimes you need help. I mean, that's why you need a coach. I needed a coach. I needed a coach to understand my values because can't, you know, can't see the forest for the trees. 
sometimes people got to point stuff out for us because we just, we just do it. We don't notice it. Right. Um, so, so that's what I mean when I talk about really understanding your values and then really understanding how you bring them to life. So I'll give you another example. Had a bit of a conflict with a neighbor a couple years ago and, uh, and, and we get along now, it all, it all resolved <laughs> itself, but essentially, I mean, she kind of came after me, right. For something uh, that I didn't feel was my fault. And it took me like about two weeks and I had to go to my own coach a couple times to say like, why is this bothering me? Like, I am really angry about this. And what I uncovered was there was a real compromise in my value of kindness. And my coach said to me, so what do you need to do to honor that value of, she treated you unkindly. And to some degree, what I felt was unfairly, right? Like it wasn't, my, wasn't actually my fault. And when I identified that that's what had happened is that she had just basically jumped right on top and stomped on my value of kindness. I knew I had to do something to honor that value. And so what I did is I went and bought her flowers and I knocked on her door and I said, the last conversation we had didn't go very well, did it? And she was like, yeah, no, I've been meaning to apologize. And I was like, no apology necessary. I think you were having a bad day. Here's some flowers. I hope today's a better day. I had to honor my value of kindness. I had to live it. I had to show up. And yeah, maybe I did it through gritted teeth just a little bit. But I walked away and down those front steps and I felt a whole lot better because I knew, I knew I had done that. So I hope that sort of illustrates how intimately we need to get connected to our values in order to have not only a life of purpose, but also to help others connect to them too, right? I wish that other people could see you describe that, to, to do that story. Cause that was amazing. Like the part where you talked about your husband in the glass box and the pillows behind him. I mean, it was, it was magical. And, but it was so descriptive. Like, even if I, I imagine that the people listening to this can also get it because it was, I mean, you just described it in such a way that it's, it's so clear not only do we need to do the work to identify what's important to us and what our values are and then prioritize such a thing so that we know uh, when they are in conflict with the other, which one uh, yeah. can take, you know, which one takes priority. But also you mentioned the walking the talk yeah. kind of piece, right? Like yeah. uh, the last part of your story about uh, not feeling honored in your kindness, um, but then you not only say that kindness is your virtue as your value, but you actually demonstrated by your behavior that that is something yes. you valued. Um, and you modeled that behavior out loud, which is very cool. I think that's very key. Yeah. Thank you. It is. It actually is key because otherwise it's just words on a piece of paper. Yeah. It doesn't have, it doesn't have any, doesn't have any intrinsic value at all. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. All right, my friends, there is one question that I ask all of my <laughs> guests. Yeah. Lin Lindsay. What gives you hope? Oh, there's so many things. Um, the first thing that gives me hope is my little six-month-old grandson. Mm -hmm. And his incredible tenacity in exploring his world, right? Um, his, I mean, he doesn't even talk yet, but you can see the in unceasing curiosity in his eyes. And his incredible desire to connect physically and can, like really kinesthetically with everything. 
right? So he gives me a lot of hope. Um, he's also endlessly intriguing and super delicious. <laughs> um, <laughs> it also gives me hope um, to see how many people here in, in Calgary and, and in Canada have really embraced some of their values of kindness and community mm. and connection. And I really love that. That gives me hope that people um, will keep that, right? They'll, they'll, they won't, they won't want to lose that just because pandemic's over. We can all go back to our normal lives. Let's all be jerks to each other, right? Like that we, that we found something, that we found something that we want to keep and we want to grow and foster. And, and that gives me hope that, that this hasn't been all bad, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Amazing. I totally agree. There, This has not been all bad. You know, no. like you like you talked about, there is possibility in all of the things. And in fact, we get to go through hard things to come out the other side more resilient yeah. and stronger and with more compassion and uh, more kindness towards ourselves, ourselves, um, mm. but also each other. And that does lead to a future better than today. You know, my definition of hope is taking action over the things we can control for a future better than today. And yeah. we, we do get to control our behavior. We do get to knock on our neighbor's door with the, the, the bouquet of flowers. We do get to take that action. And, you know, the fact that you and your neighbor are back to being friends is yeah. that hopeful future better than today. Um, totally. Yeah. You've just wrapped it all up in such a beautiful way. <laughs> awesome. Such a beautiful way. Lindsay, this conversation has just been awesome. You are insightful and passionate and just a delight. So thank you so, so much for being here today and I uh, look forward to continuing the conversation. Oh yeah. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks mm-hmm. so much for asking me to come. Anytime. We'll talk to you soon. I hope you enjoyed this latest episode of the Hope Motivates Action podcast. These episodes are a labor of love. Inspiring conversations with hopeful people make my heart happy. If you also love this episode, it would be amazing if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Five stars if you're into it. It's these reviews that encourage Apple to promote this podcast to their network. And the more people that listen, the more hope we can spread into the world. Don't forget to check out the show notes of this episode to find all the links to my guests, books, and other resources referenced in this episode. You'll also find the link back to my website where you will find additional support and resources for you, your team, and your community. I truly believe that the future will be better than today by taking action over the things we can control. And hearing from these guests on these episodes, I know that even more hopeful future is totally possible. I'm always looking for inspirational guests, so if you or anyone you know would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out. You can find me on the contact form of my website at expertinhope.com or by email at lindsay at expertinhope.com. When I was a teenager and my sisters were leaving the house to go out for the night, I always made it a point to remind them to call me if they need me. It was my way to tell them that I cared and would always be there for them. I'd love you to know the same, so all of you listening out there, call me if you need me. Again, thank you for your love and support of this podcast, my work in hope, and your intentional focus on making your future better than today. After all, hope without action is just a wish.